it's one of the worst uh, tragedies, traumas I've ever gone through. It's the worst, maybe. Um, on top of being part of the media, part of everyone in the world having an opinion about it. Devin, welcome to POVs. It is such an honor to have you here. The show that really dives into all points of view surrounding your life, the world, and ultimately Gen Z. Thank you so much for being here. Sophie, it is always great to see you. I'm glad to be here. Amazing. And I can't wait to just dive a little bit deeper into who you are as a human. And great. all of the things that make you you that have really summed up your unique point of view on the world. It's gonna be great. <laughs> and throughout the show, you may receive some text messages from our larger Gen Z community offering some alternative points of view. So keep an eye on your phone. Okay, 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 noted. noted and noted. let's dive in. Yeah. <laughs> so first and foremost, Devin, you are such an important partner and human for us here at TC. I've loved watching your journey even since I was younger on television. And I know so many people know you as Ned from Ned's Declassified, but who are you really? <laughs> Which I know is a deep uh, question, but I guess starting out, <laughs> how much of who you are today do you feel relates back to that time that you spent on TV? Yeah, uh, it's a strange thing, reckoning. I didn't know this was gonna happen, but it's a strange thing with uh, reckoning turning 30 and all that Ned's life is back there like 15 years ago, but it's still so present. There's a generation who, who knows it. The other day I was at the grocery store, the girl recognized me as Ned with my mask on. I was like, how did you do that? I'm wearing a mask. Um, so it, there's just this generation who it's still very alive for. And I've worked my entire life to uh, not deny Neds, but transcend Neds, and I still don't know that I have. Um, and so a lot of who I am was shaped by that experience, and the vast majority of it positive. Working on that show was incredible. Like the actual work for three years on it was so good because the cast, the crew, we were like family. And then the show was so positive and so heartfelt. And then over the years, all this time, it still is in the hearts of the generation who watched it. Like that's the main thing I receive is I can tell people like it was a special time in their lives when they were watching it or a hard time in their lives and the show was a special like relief or, you know, um, friend to them during that time. So yeah, it has shaped so much of my life and and who I am and I, I grew up to be like Ned it's so strange <laughs> it's amazing and I think yeah. so much of what the show represented was guiding you through life right I yeah. remember the panel you did with us where we talked about Gen Z's survival guide and yes we'll unpack a lot of those tips but yeah. I think it's interesting that you commented on the fact that you haven't necessarily escaped or outgrown Ned have you ever felt tied to that character in a way that you hope to get away from? Like, do you feel like some of your identity is defined by Ned in a way that you wish wasn't? Yeah, it's like my public identity. My 
personal identity that's between me and people in my life, right? And that I'm not concerned about. Um, but my public identity, sure. And it's not that I want to leave behind Neds. I want to include it in my journey and my story. But absolutely, I mean, I, I want to act for the rest of my life and being known for a role from my childhood is not exactly the dream. Or I'd love to be known for it and what I'm continuing to do. And so even though I've worked since then, I still haven't transcended that in, in the public sphere. I still haven't hit another role that's as meaningful to people as Ned. So I'm still going for that. Like that's still an aim and a goal and, and something that I have to deal with sometimes. It's like, it's like okay, Devin, like count your blessings, be grateful, like it's okay. For sure. Yeah. And I think it's fair to say, as someone who gets to observe your amazing career, you've had so many meaningful roles, I'm sure, for yourself and so many other people. Sure. What have been some other roles or projects that you've worked on that you feel really define who you are today? Every job is different and every acting role is different. And sometimes it's the movie, um, sometimes it's the role and how it's received by people that affects me the most. Sometimes it's the experience on the movie. So I shot this movie in Mexico in 2012 called Sundown that like not a lot of people saw, but it's a spring break like genre comedy, you know, two high school kids go down to Mexico for spring break and it's chaos and debauchery and all that stuff. And I really love our film that we made, but that experience on that movie kind of changed my life, whether the movie got out there or not. And that's a really interesting thing about acting is, is sometimes it's not even about the outcome. It's about the work and the experience with the people and where you are and the job itself that kind of does what it needs to do. It's amazing. Yeah. And I'm sure you could say the same for life itself, right? It's so much about who you're surrounded by, the work that you're doing, how you spend your time. And I want to bring it all the way back to the beginning of K. your life, <laughs> growing K. up in Georgia, yes. pre-Ned, pre-acting. Yes. What were some of the values and the experiences that you had at a young age that you feel even still today ring true to who you are? Mm. Um, yeah, I grew up, for people who don't know, in the suburbs of Atlanta before I started coming to LA at like 12. And um, I mean, acting started pretty early, to be honest. Acting How started early? at like seven. Because um, I was just a little ham. I loved the tension and I saw like Austin Powers and Ace Ventura and would just like recite those films, like just do impersonations at like seven, eight years old and like make adults laugh. And my parents were like, that's not normal. Like, do you want to do something with that? And they put me in theater and I was like, I love this. Um, and that led to everything. But as far as values from when I was young that are still around, um, I don't know, I guess just like having good friends and being a good friend and I don't know, being open to learning and uh, I don't know, I still love the outdoors. Like in Georgia, there used to be like forest everywhere and I still feel at home when I'm in a forest and out of the city. That's amazing. Yeah. I think so much of how we're raised inevitably leads yeah, to where we are. For so sure. 
it makes sense that you were <laughs> starting to recite those films yeah. at age seven. Yeah. And I know even today you wear so many hats, right? You're a songwriter, you're a singer, you're an actor, director, writer, producer. Would you say that you have a favorite hat that you wear? Acting is my favorite. This is my favorite. It's the best when I get a chance to do it. Like being on set is my favorite thing. So ultimately, hopefully in the future that can translate to, I just wrote and directed my first short um, and that's something I wanna get into, but I wouldn't call myself a writer director yet. Like I'm like just starting down that path. And I think I will enjoy that as much cause it's still being on set, but being on set, it's just my, favorite thing in the world. Like I've been doing it since I was a kid. I loved it when I was a kid. I've had enough time in between jobs, like in my twenties where, you know, you don't, you don't know where sometimes I check in with myself is like, do I still love this? And then I end up on a set and I'm like, I love this. This is the only place I want to be. So that's still, that's still my favorite. And then music is kind of more personal, even though I put stuff out, music I'll do for the rest of my life. But um, but acting, I want to do publicly for the rest of my life. It's awesome. Yeah. And I think it's interesting how you bring up your public self versus your private self. Mm -hmm. And I know you said that you save and reserve a lot of who you are privately for the people in your life, but mm -hmm. has there always been that juxtaposition for you, you know, going into this industry at such a young age, have you felt <clears throat> the need to have some sort of a facade up or a wall up with, with people? Yeah, so when you go into acting young, I think why so many of us kid actors end up messed up is, I mean, as kids, you really are there just to like, as a kid, you just want everyone to like, you wanna do what's right for the, the they, the authority figures, the, the director, your parents, the teacher, whatever, you want um, to do what's, good, right? You want to be a good kid. So you put that in a professional acting environment. And I think a lot of us kid actors don't even realize that we are developing a mask. We're developing kind of a caricature of who we are. And that's what we present to people. And it gets weird when you start to <laughs> unpack that and start to find out who am I really and who do I want to be? And you know, how much am I a people pleaser and not a person? And plenty of actors go through that. I guess probably not even just child actors, just actors in general. And like, also everyday people, like you're preaching to the choir, <laughs> so. Yes, yes, we, we all have, like all of us can have a tendency towards people pleasing, but there's just a different level when it's acting because you're actively signing up to be judged on how you're presenting yourself. You're actively signing up to be assessed and put into places where you are presenting the right thing, right? So there is a public self and a private self, and I've done what I can in my life to make those very similar. I've done what I can with my platform and, and just with my life to make sure who I'm presenting myself to be is pretty close to who the hell I really am, but there is, there is a difference. There is a difference when cameras are on. There is a difference when I'm talking to thousands of people like on online and not talking one-on-one -on -one to someone. Like, yeah, there's just, there's just something there. And I think any actor 
And I guess a lot of people can attest to it too. And I can't imagine what that must be like, especially because so much of your life has been defined by somewhat of a public figure role. Yes. And I'm sure that line can feel really blurry at times, right? Like how much do I share of myself with others? How much do I keep to myself? How do you draw that line for yourself? Uh, by getting it wrong and by trying it out. And I just go on what I feel. I'm just, I, I can just go on what I feel. And sometimes that's led by some emotional reaction to something which might get me in trouble. So during COVID, I, I don't know, I've learned a lot about this because I started getting online a lot and being really real in my live streams. And I had a Patreon for a while where I was just like being who I really am and sharing kind of all of it with the public, like as much as I can. Um, and there was a time where that felt empowering and correct and uh, needed for me and like positive. And then there was a time where it flipped, where I actually felt out on a limb and I realized I don't want to give everybody all of me. They don't deserve it. <laughs> and this is a lesson for anyone's real life. You shouldn't give everyone your sweetest self because there are people who will take advantage of it. And if you can handle that, cool. And you wanna do it anyways, cool. But there are some situations where actually being guarded is correct. I think we have like a lot of messaging around like, just be open and just be yourself always. And like, don't worry about the haters. Vulnerability is a superpower. Exactly, yeah. right? Like just like go do it all the time. And no, not all the time, not all the time. There will be people in your life you know, not everyone's gonna have a big platform that people can't deal with, but like there'll be people in your life who maybe don't deserve all, you giving all of you and all your best. They, they might take advantage of it. So learning that line, it's a constant dance and you kind of just have to go off your intuition and see what happens. Yeah, and was there a recent moment or anything you can remember where you really reached a breaking point? In terms of like, I was doing these Patreon live streams and I love all those people who were on there um, during COVID. It was, it was a way to like interact with fans during COVID and kind of create a community and, and kind of work out some things that I was trying to figure out in terms of how I want to relate to uh, the online audience that I have and my own voice. And I was doing it for, I don't know, like nine, 10 months or something and I, I don't know, nothing happened, but I just hit a point in myself where I realized like, I'm done with this for now. I'm done with this for now. I'm, I'm sharing too much with strangers, I'm sharing too much with people who can't know me. And I just feel out on a limb and I'm gonna pull it back. And so I just, the same way I went into it, which was like with my intuition and feeling like it was something I should do, was the way I got out of it. it, was just going, oh, time to pull back. Well, there's a survival tip, trust your intuition. It's amazing that you were able to have that litmus test for yourself. And I'm sure with COVID alone, let alone how you were sharing yourself so publicly with strangers, that can take a toll on your mental health. And yeah. I know you and I have talked about that a lot, you yeah. know, struggles with anxiety, depression. Yeah. When, when is your earliest memory of when you started experiencing mental health struggles? <laughs> so I'm gonna be really spoiled here. My, my life was, my life is not common to most people's story. 
I had a family that was together uh, early in my childhood. My parents saw something that I love to do and changed their lives so that I would have an opportunity to do it because they believed I could do it successfully. And then I booked Ned's my first pilot season. Like so much of my childhood, look, it's not that I didn't feel insecurity about things, girls, like anxiety, you know, sadness about losing pets. Like I experienced normal emotions. I wasn't a robot, but like true instability, anxiety, depression, I'd say I didn't really face um, until 25 when my parents got divorced. So I feel lucky in that regard. And some people are like, damn, I, you know, I was depressed at 12 or five, right? Like kids have been dealing with this way younger. I feel lucky, but yeah, around 25, my parents got divorced and uh, I went into a depression that I went, oh, this is what people are talking about. All the times people said they were depressed and I would like empathize and feel like I understood and say like some nice like, but you just gotta beep boo, you know? But the grass is, but you just gotta be there and it's all, all the things I had heard, I didn't understand what people were talking about and I learned that. So that was this weird moment where I was so depressed and you know, this thing was happening. Um, my family was falling apart. But when I was aware, I was like aware, whoa, like I can understand more people in the world now and that's not a bad thing. Like I, I knew it then, I was like, this sucks so bad and I feel more connected to more people and fuck. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's amazing that empathy kind of hit you out of nowhere through that yeah. moment or at least now, cause you can probably see the forest from the trees, but yeah. in those moments and also I'm, I'm sorry you experienced that. No one should have to go through that. Yeah. And, you know, from 25 to where you are now, what have been some of your ways of really coping with mental health? <laughs> like, is it conversations for you? What does self-care look like? Yeah, that's a great question. From then until now, it feels like anytime I get on my feet, there's another thing that's happening that's bringing me into more depression and it seems to be compounding. Um, straight through to like right now. Um, so it's been gnarly <laughs> to say the least. It's just, I, I mean, I feel grateful that it's been happening because you, you, don't, you don't learn about who you are and you don't shape your character when everything's going well. You really don't. I got to like really ask myself who I wanna be when things were really hard in my life and going like, who do I wanna be in this world? Like, what do I care about? And showing up when it's hard, that's when you build your strength and your character to do it when it shows up again. Like that's when you find out who you are and those are the times you actually have to pay the most attention. Um, those are the times you gotta dig in and like listen to like what's going on with you and really just be gentle but also pay attention in those moments. There's, there's like truth that shines through when everything's like kind of breaking. And um, what got me through? It's such a mix of things, you know? It's life, a mix of things. Sometimes the answer to depression is distracting from it 
and going into a party and just like pretending you're fine and having fun, right? Like sometimes it's that. Sometimes it's staying in and crying and journaling and writing music or just sometimes it's staying in and binge watching TV and going numb. Like it's kind of, there's a lot of ways to get through it and I don't think there's one way. The trick is, can I, can this not sabotage, like how do I get through this without it sabotaging what I want in my life? That's the trick. Can I let myself feel all this, which you have to to get through it, without like projecting it on people who don't deserve it or like burning this bridge that I actually care about or missing this opportunity that is actually what I want to do in my life. Like that's the hard part when the depression and the anxiety and all the shit is, is kicking in really loud is you have to be with it. You have to own it. You have to feel it. You have to be present to it. But can you not let it like break what you want in your life? And so I don't know. It's been a constant dance of like figuring that out. For sure. And I love what you said about how it looks different. I think something I've learned over time too is that mental health and mental health journeys and self-care look different for every single person. And yeah. it can even look different for you on different days of the week. So exactly. Exactly. It's so and sometimes awesome. people like to like I don't know, tell you what it's supposed to look like, yeah. right? And like, because yeah, we all want the answers, you exactly. know? Exactly. Sometimes you got to find it yourself. And sometimes it comes from that discomfort, which I think is so critical in just thinking about where where we are in this world and how we got here. So much of who we become is because of what we've experienced, right? And that discomfort we face. Yeah. And so as you think back on your 30 years on this earth, you know, we've touched on where you started, your yep. upbringing, your family, yep. your entrance into the acting industry, some of the projects you've worked on. Are there any other pivotal experiences that come to mind that really illustrate almost that discomfort or a challenge or an obstacle that you overcame that helped define who you are? It's mm. a great question, Sophie. <laughs> we, we've got all day. <laughs> That's a great question, Sophie. I mean, it's all of it for all of us. Like, how do you wear, how do you integrate what's happened in your life, both good and bad? How do you continue to integrate, make yourself whole from it, not have it be this fragment in the past that you can't talk about and it's in a box? How do you bring all of it with you. I mean, some of it you got to let go, but like, how do you make yourself whole again and again when life will take you through seasons and life will make you shed skin and life will break down what's around you? I mean, I feel like I feel a little beat up <laughs> at this point. And I think a lot of uh, people do. Uh, I think at all ages when you continually have like the shape of your life change when you continually are like aiming at something and then it fully shifts or, you know, I mean, it happens in a microcosm in a relationship. When you go through a big breakup, it's like your life was on this one, it looked this one way, it had this arrangement and then the breakup happens and everyone knows what that feels like. Everyone knows the identity chaos that that opens up when a major relationship ends and you know that shows up not just in breakups shows up uh when people die shows up if you get fired it shows up 
if a natural disaster burns your house down, it shows up when COVID showed up for all of us. All the plans, all the things we were aiming at were all of a sudden just like gone and in question and uncertain. And I think we all felt that terror then. So I don't know, the defining uh, discomforts of my life has been the, the, in the last five years, I guess. The, for sure. My, my uh, blossoming into an adult. Mm. Love it. And I, I think it's, it's so true what you said about carrying it all with you, right? Like, I don't think we can ever simply just compartmentalize and shut that drawer. Like, that drawer is always there. Yeah. And I think you also touched on how you have been going through this transformational moment. And I think I also just want to hold space for the fact that you've been through it these past few months. Like, before... Today, the last time we spoke was as you were heading to Santa Fe to film Rust. Yep. And the world has now been watching yep. as that chaos ensued. So first of all, how are you doing in the aftermath of Santa Fe? Terrible. For sure. Yeah, terrible. Um, uh, yeah, I was on a movie where someone I really loved working with and loved being around um, got shot and killed. And that's not... That is not an outcome that's supposed to happen on a film. Like that's not even in the realm of what's possible on a film, really. Like it, it's so rare. And um, yeah, I, I still, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, still processing. Still processing. Um, yeah, not well, not well. And how have you been able to even just get through the days? Some days I don't. Some days I don't. Um, but some days I do. I mean, ultimately, like life keeps moving forward. And so the current of life is moving and you can uh, take as much time as you need not engaging with that. But at a certain point, if you want things in life or you want to enjoy your life at all, you'll just figure out how to find a new path and just like keep going you know so uh yeah I don't I don't really know right now it's tough it's tough to talk about and and I don't even know how I feel about it at this point it's it's like it's one of the worst uh tragedies traumas I've ever gone through it's the worst maybe um on top of being part of the media part of everyone in the world having an opinion about it on something they have no idea. Most people don't know how sets are run. They have no idea what they're talking about. They have no idea what happened. They have no idea what that day was like. They have no idea what that moment was like. And so it's, it's, it's like this compounded thing of, of going through something so personal and painful and then having to deal with the fact that the public is also wanting to consume it. Right. How, how do you handle that noise? Like, do you, how do you not just like clap back at what people are saying or try to write the narrative, you know? No, 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 no clapping back. Um, <laughs> I learned, uh, learned, <laughs> learned over the summer not to do that. Um, yeah, I want to get to that yeah, in a minute. I learned, I learned you can't, you can't change the internet's opinion on anything and you might just dig the hole deeper if you try. So honestly, uh, it, it's like self-containment. I go like, this is a deep personal trauma. I'm not gonna talk to anybody about this. And it took, 
it took a lot to happen for me to decide to do this, this ABC interview that I did because most of us on the film didn't want to interview with anybody about this. You go through something like this, it's strange to me the people who are doing interviews. I'm like, like that, it's really difficult. I don't want to talk to everyone about this deeply like personal, painful, private, confusing, complex, tragic thing. Um, so yeah, it took a lot to, to get me to that place where I felt like that's what I needed to do. And um, yeah, it's, I think it's still gonna keep unfolding. Yeah, and you're still grieving. Everyone I'm sure in the cast is still grieving and to have to grapple that publicly yeah. with everyone around you, not just the people who were there or knew her is probably yeah. so frustrating and difficult and so many different emotions. All of it is so surreal and so strange. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I really, I don't know what to say. It's it's crazy. It's it's just crazy and painful. And, yeah. And nothing can change that. So yeah. I just, I appreciate you even sharing about it. Yeah, I mean, you know, most of the time I, I have things to say about everything. Most of the times I can articulate how I feel about things, but this one is so complicated, so complicated. On top of, I, I, we spoke already about how I, I've wanted to act since I was eight years old and I hit the Ned success. And since then I've been working towards what's the next like wave of this industry for me. And you know, I, it's not that I haven't worked. I appreciate all the jobs I've done, but nothing has like hit this momentum that I've been trying to catch again since Ned's. And you know, that's a common thing for a child actor transitioning to an adult. Um, that's like a common difficult transition. And you know, I got a young face. I still look like 20, I feel like. And like, so like it's taken some time, right? To get into this place and it, it, Rust was like one of the best experiences I've had on a set and something I, I truly was like there living my dream for the first time in a while after a really hard many years and then really hard COVID years. Like then I was on the set making a Western with people that I really bonded with and really connected with. And I was playing a cowboy. I was playing a character role. I was playing this crazy backwoods redneck big beard like I, I got to play in, in this industry that I love so much and in this art form that I love so much and I was like doing it I was literally so happy in Santa Fe I was happier than I've been in a long time and so for this to end like that it's just like I just went from feeling like okay I can build from this like I can get out of my depression now like this is giving me life to holy shit this is the worst thing that's, uh, that could happen on a set and it's my set and the movie's over and I don't know what to do with myself or my life. Which is so natural. Yeah. And I'd be curious to know, even in this moment of still processing, still grieving, how do you think what happened in Santa Fe will impact your point of view on the world? Like, I know we talked about how the experiences that you've had throughout the course of your life have really brought you to this moment and who you are. Yeah. What do you think this moment will mean for you? It's changed how I will feel about any news story I come across. How so? Rust was written about very quickly in the, the day following um, the incident. And 
the narrative very quickly started to paint a picture of the set and who was responsible and how this happened that wasn't true to my experience there and many of us there. Like, it just, it just wasn't it. They were just writing immediately with what they had and it, and it told this story of an industry and producers this and crews that and unions and non-unions. That wasn't why this thing occurred and like honestly made it worse. And seeing how easy it is to read a story from the news, from all of the news and you go, the, this is at least factual reporting. They're telling me what, what this is and, and who, like where the injustice is and where the justice is. If you were just reading the news, like many people in my life, family included, all they had is the news. There's something they come away with about this situation. My experience, none of that. Literally, none of that. Nope, all of that is not, like all of that is something else. All of that is something else. That's not why this occurred. That's not what happened. We still don't know what happened. It's a confusing situation. So it let me know before I jump on the opinion wagon and before I get my feelings involved when reading about something human and tragic and messy, even Astro World. Astro World happened uh, a month after Rust or something and, and that news was horrifying and I read it and felt deeply for what happened. But I knew from Rust uh, before I decide who to blame for this, realize I don't know. There's a ton of moving parts to this. I don't know how much of that responsibility is Travis Scott's. I don't know. It's easy to go, for sure, it's his festival. You walk through his mouth to get in it. Like, yeah, that's, that's real easy. Guys, like when something tragic happens, it's often, and unexpected, it's oftentimes so much more complicated, that, complicated than that. And, yeah, so for the rest of my life, I'll know to really take uh, news stories like that with a grain of salt and really be suspicious about if they're trying to point blame at someone um, because we don't know. It, maybe it is them. Maybe it could turn out to be those people that you want to blame. But do you actually know? Like, do you really know that that's who, you know, you get to put your internet anger on? Like, for me... I won't do that lightly again. I won't do that lightly again. So it's changed that. It's also changed, unfortunately, <laughs> I grew up a, a young optimistic idealist, you know, but also my life was going awesome. I set out to be an actor, first pilot season, book Ned's Declassified, bing, bang, boom, I'm doing what I love. Like my worldview, I didn't, quite know how much my family's all together my parents are still married right like I didn't quite realize how much my worldview was shaped by like yeah because like my life was this one way um unfortunately some of this has also it just makes me um wary of the internet wary of the mass groups the identity groups, wary of getting into it on the internet with anyone. It just makes me go, mm, 
Like, I know who I am in this life, and no one online can tell me who that is or define that, and they really don't know, but they will try. And so it just makes me kind of want to pull back from a lot of that and just like be involved with people in my life. So I think it's part of growing up and especially part of growing up in a public life, but it doesn't feel good to feel like I'm learning this from my experience that like, that I need to be watchful of how much I interact with the public. It doesn't feel good. I want to be open to everyone. I want to be open to life and humanity and all the people and Don't all the things, all? right? For sure. Yeah, but um, I don't think you can. Sometimes it's unavoidable, right? I know you briefly alluded to this past summer, but oftentimes the voices of the masses and the internet can get so loud, especially when it comes to cancel culture. And I know you, there was a, a bit of an incident with one of your former co-stars from mm -hmm. Ned over the summer and TikTok and I guess when it comes to POVs, what is, what is your POV on cancel culture? There's a lot of behavior in our society and in our culture that, um, I still don't like the word, but for lack of a better word, uh, should be canceled, that needs to be canceled, that needs to be confronted, that needs to be challenged. There is so much behavior, injustice, uh, norms that need to be challenged and confronted. And I get that. That's where, that's where this culture comes from and that's when it's at its best. Everything in life is a spectrum. Nothing is a monolith. There, there is no like one version of this. So you can't throw out cancel. You can't throw out anyone who's like voicing a major concern about something and call it cancel culture, right? Like that's not it either. There's a lot of people speaking up about a lot of things that need to be challenged, right? We, we know this, we've seen this, especially as millennials, Gen Zers, like we see it, I guess, more than anyone, right? But there is a side of it that goes beyond justice, where it actually becomes the thing that you're rebelling against. It actually becomes just too much, just too much. It actually isn't moving the culture forward. It's actually, there is a version of it that doesn't make things better. It just ostracizes and just gives people a chance to like hate um, that was what I originally tried to speak up about in all this. I tried to articulate it well, and honestly, I should have just, what sucks about all this is I, I learned, like, I should just, I should have just shut my mouth. Well, how did it play out for you? And what were the effects of what happened on you? I'm still nervous to talk about it because I don't want to do any more harm. I just want to leave it there in the past, but I will try. Um... Yeah, Lindsay got called racist for some behavior on TikTok. When I got involved was I started to see her comments on Instagram and started to hear about her DMs. It's guys, it's not it's not a justice to tell someone to kill themselves and like to just straight up go into full on you should go die. Um, that's not moving culture forward at all. That's not helping anyone. And so when I started to see that, I felt like I wanted to protect my friend and her mental health because I know her mental health and receiving a bunch of 
suicide requests in her DMs is not great, right? So I, I knew it was gonna be tricky. With most of these things, I just never address them because that's the only way you can navigate the internet life is don't address them. I, I hate to say it, but like, don't, for most people out there, just don't speak to them. Just keep on moving because as soon as you do, it's gonna get messy and I knew that and I tried to articulate it as best I could and I cared for all sides of this. I knew, I knew that there were black creators on TikTok who were upset that uh, white people were getting famous on TikTok for doing their dances and stuff like that. I, I understood the root of where it all came from and I empathize and I'm like, I get that, but this doesn't feel like that and the uh, response feels out of proportion and really I was just concerned for my friend and tried to say something that spoke to all sides and I thought I did but all of that went south and honestly I should have just shut my damn mouth. Do you really I feel, feel that way? It. I really feel that way. Wow. I, I'm glad I stood up for Lindsay and I love Lindsay and like I, 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 I'm I know where I was coming from and doing it. Again, I told you, I listened to my intuition. My intuition said, uh, I gotta help my friend. And intentions were good. Intentions were good, but we know how that can go in life. Like, um, you know, that's no excuse, but like, I, I uh, yeah, I just wanted to help my friend out. And I kind of knew I might be jumping into the mud here. And at the time I was like, let's do it. But honestly, I feel like I made it worse for both her and I because it made it bigger. I feel like I should have just kept moving and so should she. And like, sure, if someone wants to come up to me in person and say they have these feelings about this thing, I would, I would talk to them because in person, that's one person. People online like to speak to you like, like their opinion is everyone's, like, like how they felt about what I said is what needs to be addressed and because everyone feels that. And I'm just like, that's not true. That's not in my DMs. I'm talking to people about a lot of different opinions about that. So I can't speak to one of them. It's really, it's just so tricky and difficult. So yes, I, I feel like I should have just not said anything and I kind of wish I didn't, but I couldn't, have, I couldn't have known really. I jumped into defensive mode for my friend's well-being, who I know in real life, you know? For sure. And cancel culture is such a difficult dance, right? Sometimes you get it right, sometimes you get it wrong, but. That's it, that's what I'm saying. Like I get, I get what people are doing. I get there's this movement, especially with Gen Zers, millennials. We, we want to change. We want to stand up to injustice. We want to um, create a more equitable world. We want everyone to have a, a fair enough shot at this life. Like, look guys, life isn't fair. Life's not fair and ever and, <laughs> and there is injustice and there's stuff sometimes we're just gonna have to deal with. But if you're a young person in America, you better understand how fucked up it's gone on in this country, right? And, and there are things to stand up to. So it's like, I get where people are coming from. But when it turns to telling someone who didn't, really do anything that outward to kill themselves and that's justice I'd like that's that's not it I, I the best of the cancel culture mu movement should be aiming to make our society better and if it's not doing that then what's it doing 
So speaking of cancel culture, I think it's time to bring in some POVs from the larger TC community. You can expect some text, some perspectives that relate to different things we talked about. So let's, let's do it. Let's hear it, community. <laughs> let's go. get into it. Here we go. What do I got? Oh, you've got one? Yeah, they sent. Okay. I think holding people accountable doesn't have to be through cancel culture. There are productive ways to do it without ending their career. Mm. What are your thoughts? I have to agree. Um, you know, there's some people, Harvey Weinstein, like, that's a monster. That's someone with a repeated behavior, predatory behavior, like ending that person's career and no longer keeping him in a position of power to continue doing this thing makes sense to me, right? It's like, there are, there are always examples where it makes sense, but then, yeah, I think we have to have some ways to hold some people accountable without demanding you end their career. Because first of all, it's, it's very rare that you can anyway. Like a bunch of people are getting canceled and they're still totally fine and working. It's just like Twitter that's like, no, you're canceled. And they're like, no, I have jobs all the time. Right. right. Well, would you categorize Harvey Weinstein in the cancel culture category I guess, or would you I guess consider that jail is there another yeah, 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 yeah. is there another subcategory sure i did go to the biggest extreme because i think the line gets so blurred right the line does get blurred and each of us has to feel into our own humanity to know what that line is mm. because there are things that are unacceptable for people and they go like you shouldn't have a platform because you did this thing but Life is long and, and we grow and we change. And if we want society to get better, there are times where you just need to tell someone, sit down, shut up and like go away. Uh, I know even in my private life, there are times where it's not about helping that person grow. You just need to go, you know what? You're toxic, don't be in my life. But there are times where someone needs to be allowed to move through it if they are facing it, learning from it, and you know, moving on. I think that's the only way we get better. That's the only way the movement works. Yeah. Another text. <laughs> okay. Um, I think almost all child stars fall off the rails. There's something wrong with the child acting industry and no child should ever have to endure that, no matter how much fame or fortune comes out. Hate to break it to you, Mary Kate and Ashley. Whoa. Wow, sassy, <laughs> sassy POV bringing the child star stuff in. I disagree from experience. So unless you're a child star, you have less experience. So hate to say your opinion is built on less information. However, still valid, just built on less information. Um, but I know what they're saying. I mean, there are tons of child stars it's honestly cool to see the movement of child stars who are speaking out about it now, Alison Stoner and Jeanette McCurdy. Like, I love what they're doing. My experience wasn't like theirs, although I, I, know what, I know what they're saying on here because even my wonderful experience in the child star industry, um, it still leaves you a particular kind of messed up because you were a product to people. You were a commodity and you catered to that. And that leaves you as an adult with all sorts of identity stuff to figure out. However, I think no matter how you grow up, you're gonna end up with some strange identity stuff to figure out, no matter what you're doing. And 
a lot of the child uh, star industry, the child acting industry can be predatory, but a lot of it can be great and just is what it is. I mean, we make films and we need to tell stories with kids too. And so we're going to, and there are all sorts of laws to try and make that as safe as possible. Ultimately, it comes down to the parents. Mm. Ultimately, it comes down to the parents. Um, there's good versions of it and bad, and really most of the time it's how uh, aware were your parents being during all of it and uh, or how predatory were your parents. Um, so I don't know to that POV. I get what they're saying. There's some truth to that, but it's just not, it's just not full. You said no child should ever have to endure that. I hate to say, but like, I don't regret it. I'm glad, I'm glad I went the path I went on, even though I'm dealing with it now. We all deal with our childhoods. For sure. Okay, mental health has become overhyped and trendy. Gen Z is so sensitive, and most of that is because we've normalized mental health. Yikes, strong POV out there. Um, again, I kind of understand what this person is getting at, but man, life is just not absolutes. Like both are true in some sense. They, they said mental health has become overhyped and trendy. Gen Z is so sensitive and most of that is because we've normalized mental health. Okay, the two sides of this that I see, and, and this is how life goes, and there's not just two sides in everything. There's often a spectrum, it's yeah. many, but the things I see here in this POV is like, I think there is a side where mental health has become like an identity badge that people wear now, especially young people who don't have life experience or an identity yet. Now your, your problems, your deficiencies, your uh, differences um, or your depression, your anxiety become, your trauma becomes this like badge. And I have seen that where I think there is, there is a tricky thing when your trauma becomes your identity then how do you move beyond it? To move beyond it is to leave your own identity, which is a type of death. So therefore, your trauma is something that actually you're incentivized to not let go of and not actually heal from because you've adopted it as your identity, right? That's a really uh, dangerous place to end up in as a human. And I think a lot of Gen Zers, millennials, I think a lot of people can get caught in that trap. And because mental health is so normalized and talked about amongst Gen Z, I, I have definitely seen it. I've definitely seen the version that this person is talking about, where it's like, this is, this is something else. Like you actually, it doesn't feel like you wanna heal from this. You, you want everyone to just like tell you that yours is the worst, right? But you can't go so far to say that, that everyone is so sensitive and mental health is, is not real and is trendy. No, no, again, just like cancel culture, the roots of mental health becoming normalized are because it wasn't, or because it was something everyone suppressed. You weren't allowed to talk about these things. You had to deal with it yourself or buck up or move on when grief is a universal process of life that we will all be going through continuously and you don't get to skip it. People who try and skip grief end up freaking out in an inappropriate moment, end up uh, abusing their kids. Like, and, like truly, like you try and repress your grief, it will come out. You cannot skip going through it. 
Um, so it's both. Mental health needs to be normalized and talked about. And be careful of the trap of letting it become your identity. Whew. I've never considered that before, so yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. I think it's something we forget, right? Like the things that we experience aren't meant to be skipped over. Yeah. And I think obviously it's probably easier said than done with mental health, but really appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah, and like there's a way of empowering yourself by um, learning about uh, your, your mental health stuff and, and there, there's a way of like integrating it, again, becoming whole with it. And there's also a way of actually um, staying kind of broken with it and needing people to uh, validate it. Sure. And so you just want to watch out. There's, there's no clear way of doing this. I got another one. Nedzi Classified should be rebooted in a new way. It should highlight that mental health is important for everyone from middle schoolers to adult men. I agree. POV community, I want a NEDS reboot for adulthood very badly because I think it's necessary. Our show spoke to people so deeply in middle school. We could do it again. And life's, there's more to talk about now. So yeah. I agree. You heard it here first. That's awesome. Thank you so much for that answer, Devin. And I have one last question for you before you head out. So clearly, You've experienced so much throughout your lifetime that has led you to where you are today, right? Your unique POV on the world has been a combination of everything you've experienced through your acting career, your family, your mental health journey, the experiences you've had with grief and loss and relationships and cancel culture and all the things that make you you. For any young person out there who's currently trying to find their POV on the world, still going through it, trying to survive, if you will, the different trials and tribulations of growing up, what would you say to your younger self from where you are now about what you've learned about the world that could help someone else out there going through it? What I would say to a young person about their point of view in the world is actually right now, I think we have, um, I think everyone is expected to have an opinion on everything. And I think that is a problem you wanna watch out for at any age, but really as a young person. You do not have to have an opinion on everything just yet. Follow your heart, follow what's important to you. Get into those spaces. Let what um, makes you feel alive lead you. And start there, get some more life experience before you start developing an opinion about everything and things that you have no experience in. And this is the way of it. Your POV is shaped by your life experience and you can't skip that. The older you get, the more life experience you, you have. And no matter where we started, we all go through this human process together and we all will face grief and we all will turn 30 and we all will um, just come to who we are and it's an ever evolving thing and you, you kind of just gotta be along for the ride. Beautifully said. Devin, thank you so much for being here, for sharing your POVs with us, and for being a part of our mission to unify the world. It's good to be on the conversation couch here at POVs, guys. You're the best. You're the best. <laughs> Thanks, guys.